0: Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're joined by Dr. Roya Habibi, and we're gonna be talking about life outside of optometry and developing a work-life balance on the Optometric Insights Show. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, we're with Dr. Roya Habibi. Thank you very much, the legendary one, for joining us for this episode. How are you, my friend?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. This is going to be so fun.
0: Yes, it is. So Roy and I have known each other for, uh, I think, probably close to 14 years.
1: A long time. And
0: uh, one of the things that I really, really like about her, she shares a passion in optometry that is the same as mine, but she also shares this uh, passion of travel and uh, loving to explore the adventure. Uh, do you think that's an accurate depiction of you?
1: I think that's probably pretty fair. Yeah. Yes.
0: (laughs) Yes. So for those of you who don't know, one other thing about her is she has this little podcast, uh, that's been going for just a short amount of time, about 150 plus episodes by the time that you all hear it. Uh, as I looked at it, it was 150 episodes, which is just epic. And, uh, you've been doing this podcast for several years. Before we get into work-life balance, tell us a little bit about Try Not to Blink.
1: Well, Try Not to Blink defines not a work-life balance for the record. <laughs> because as you know, podcasts are a lot of work outside of work. But um, it's been a really fun project. Um, my partner and I, James Diem, Jimmy, um, we're kind of an odd couple in work partnerships, if you will. But it's been kind of fun. It's like forces us to, you know, learn about things that you forget about for a while or parts of optometry that I don't really do as much anymore or make effort to learn about as much anymore. I'm forced to learn about it again and talk to Mm -hmm. all the people that are, you know, well-to-do in these particular fields. And it makes it fun and it makes me, you know, stay on top of the things I should know about as a doctor.
0: Yeah. What, uh, what would you say? um, And I won't make you pick one, but what are some things that you learned or some topics that made you a better doctor in doing the podcast?
1: Um, well, some of, like, maybe, a, I don't know, over the summer last year, we had um, the owner of Dry Eye Shop, Rebecca Petrus, on our show, Petrus, actually. Um, she makes me a better doctor, I think. I mean, she, as you probably know, she's local to the Seattle area. And I think she just does so much good stuff for patient advocacy and like providing a resource for a lot of patients that have, you know, any level of severe dry eye or mild as well. But I think just some things that she said, I don't know, just are enlightening. You just forget about the patient perspective sometimes when you're treating things. So I mean that's definitely been helpful. Um other things I've learned about I mean, honestly certain things that Jimmy's super into, even like vitamins for macular degeneration. Like obviously we know about the normal ones, but blood tests for macular degeneration, like I'll just say most retina things I care about. I'm gonna look for it, but like it's not my passion. So (laughs) I Mm -hmm. it's good to like be refreshed about those sort of um treatment options. And God, what else? I don't know. A lot every time I'm like, dang, as much effort as that was to get that ready, I learned something today. So I think
0: Yeah, I think for those of us who do stuff Outside of patient care that are forward facing for our profession, we always walk away probably, you know, far more blessed by the experience than what we would ever be able to give away because, you know, you're learning so much in the experience. that's why I love being an educator is because I get to educate myself on so many things. Yeah, totally. I probably agree. Oh, Yeah. Uh, so before we get into this what do you do for work tell us uh in brief your background where you went to school what you did after school how you ended up getting your first job and so forth.
1: Yeah so I went to school at Berkeley was a little school. Mm-hmm. I um finished my degree and decided kind of halfway through my last year that hey maybe I'll do this uh residency thing. And I realized that if there was anything I wanted to learn more about, it was um, specialty contact lenses because I didn't feel I had a really strong grasp on that. And I recognized how much you needed to have um, a connection to industry and just understand the ins and outs of all of that. So I'm really glad I jumped on board and I'm really glad I did what I did. So I did my program at OHSU at KCI Institute. It's one of the couple fellowships that are available. I really valued that experience because I got a lot of experience with both just high intensity fitting of scleral lenses and any gas permeable lenses, but also, um, one day a week worked with their cornea department. So that was a very valuable experience to have there. And then, um, ended up in the Seattle area. I was expecting to go back to California and, paths took me otherwise and Seattle ended up falling in love with it found a job actually i was i was kind of you know searching around i originally i'd always thought i wanted to be in private practice i wanted to start my own practice but to be honest i wasn't sure i wanted to like lay down roots in seattle so i didn't didn't necessarily want to do that and when i was at when i was at my fellowship program i realized how much i really liked being in a you know multidisciplinary practice so I started putting out feelers and applied to the practice that I'm currently working at, which is an ODMD group. And they actually didn't have any spots at the time, but they had, I, when I applied, I sent out my resume, I sent out a cover letter, and I sent out a um, case report that basically listed a couple cases of how I could. Provide my, you know, my novice experience to their practice. What resource I could provide, and that actually got my job. So one of the practice owners asked me in for an interview, and long story short, I was hired. And now go. I'm still there, yeah. So,
0: so how many years have you been at the practice?
1: I've been there actually over five years now, so mm-hmm. five and a half years. Um, grew myself up as a little optometrist in the group, and have now. You know, in the beginning, I was pitching the idea of, you know, scleral lenses. And one of the populations I worked a lot with when I was at Casey was uh, graft-versus-host patients, people who have severe dry eye. So I was like, you know, maybe I could start some sort of dry eye center and pull in all these graft-versus-host mm-hmm. patients and, you know, do more contact lens fitting. Next thing you know, they like latched onto the dry eye center thing, which I had very little experience with. And now I run their center for eye comfort, <laughs> their dry eye center. Which I would have never thought. You, la-
0: you laugh. I laugh. I
1: would have never wanted to do that, but I love it honestly, and people really appreciate it. I've learned so much, and yeah, it's been a really great experience.
0: Yeah. So I said in the introduction that I've known you for 14 years, and you didn't correct me, which uh, I find a little bit humorous. I think it's about half of that. I it think I met like you in nine you were... or ten. Yeah. Yeah. So,
1: five years. I met you my freshman year or my
0: whatever first year. Of optometry school. So there's been
1: 10, 14 is a stretch, but you know, right. a lot of people around me are dramatic. I feel like that just takes away from the stories.
0: Right. And depending on when you listen to this, it might be 14
1: years. <laughs> I know. Exactly.
0: There we go. So this uh, practice that you are at, it's got uh, multidisciplinary specialties all across the board. The great thing about that is you can refer and people are yeah. going to refer into you. Tell me about the specialties that you do uh, within the practice for those of those people who are listening who don't know uh, much about the wonders that you create in the world.
1: So me, myself or my group?
0: You, you, oh. so dry eye being myself. one of them, but also. Yep.
1: So for myself, I run our dry eye center. Yeah. I fit any type of contact lens and provide general care as well.
0: Mm-hmm. So, so what group. percentage would you say is general care versus kind of this specialty more advanced care? Uh, that, you know, somebody else might not do in primary care.
1: Probably my normal clinic is 50-50, where I have yeah. 50% general eye exams. That could be a, you know, myope, that could be a, an older patient that has glaucoma, but the other 50% is some level of, let's just call it anterior segment focused exam, whether it be mm-hmm. needing a lens or, you know, significant dry eye for one reason or another.
0: Yeah. So one of the things that I'm noticing is happening more and more, and I think this is a really cool thing for our generation of optometrists is that uh, it used to be, we would talk about how optometry doesn't refer all that much. You mentioned how you'll see retina, you'll take care of retina, but it's not super your passion. Same with me. So I'm happy to send that patient that I saw today who had glaucoma findings that man you know i think it's time to start treatment maybe it would be somebody that you know somebody else could care for that patient better than i could and i think i'm seeing more and more of our colleagues and i'd like to hear your take on this that are kind of doing 50-50 50 50% is kind of primary care and then they've either done a residency or in school they you know picked up on binocular vision, low vision, retina, glaucoma, macular degeneration, dry eye, contact lens. And they're kind of doing their practice like this little specialty clinic, even in primary care or multidisciplinary practices like yours. I don't know if you're seeing that trend happen with our colleagues. And what do you think is the good about that?
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, honestly, I think it's crucial. I mean, when, what, Where I sort of picked that up, aside from the fact that, to be honest, I hate evaluating an OCT and I hate evaluating the visual field. Like I just, I'll do it. I know how to do it, but I dislike it. I think it's extra charting. It's just a lot of effort and I don't really like it. I I feel like other things take more time and I at least care to put that mind effort into it. And if there's something you're not super passionate about, maybe you're not the most advanced, you're not thinking of the most advanced technologies. Maybe you don't feel like sitting on hold to get the approval for the best glaucoma medication or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. So if it's not your favorite thing, don't do it. Refer. That's mm-hmm. that's my mentality. And I think ophthalmologists do it really well because they pick their one thing and they don't even look in the back, right? If they're a cornea specialist, they barely even dilate the eye. If they're yeah, a I'm glad you didn't
0: say the retinal specialists don't look in the back.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the retina specialists barely look at the optic nerve. It's just like they look at the only thing they want and that's yeah. Maybe the opposite end of where you should be, but I think just because we can do it doesn't mean you have to do everything. You should do right. what you feel you are the strongest at and what you provide the best care for. Right. So I think it is a good idea. If you're not practicing at what you feel is the best, send it to someone else. So I agree. Right. Like I might start screening for glaucoma, but once it starts getting to the point where like now we gotta manage this, things might be changing a little bit. I don't want to do it. Send yeah. it to someone.
0: Especially if you live in a practice, in an area where there is the ability to send that out. Like if you're in a rural area where you're the only person, then obviously you have to be the best of the best at everything. But if somebody was to move in your town, go to lunch with them and say, hey, I love doing dry eye. Do you have a specialty that you like? And then they're glaucoma and you're like, okay, all the glaucoma patients are going to you. All the dry eye patients are going to me. You know, we make sure we take care of patients as best as it can be. And so usually we, most of us, not all of us, are in a community where there's at least one or two or not four optometrists that we could kind of develop that. And I think that is the trend that we're moving, which I'm I'm really excited about.
1: Well, and I think too, sometimes as optometrists, we're scared about losing a patient, right? Yeah. And I don't think we should fear that. It's like, first of all, I hate the idea of driving more than seven minutes to go to a doctor. If I have to go to a dentist over on the East side... I'll go begrudgingly because maybe I have to. And then I want to go back to my doctor that's more convenient. Unless the new doctor far exceeds my expectation and does a better job. And to be honest, then I'm going to make the effort. And I think it's the same thing. If you're providing great care, you shouldn't be afraid of someone leaving you. You're no. you're the most convenient person for them. You have all their no. records. It's a pain in the butt to change. Don't be scared of losing a patient if you're providing good care.
0: Yeah. So those of you who could look at a map, uh, Royal lives in the down more in the, east, the western side of Seattle. And if you look, there's a big lake that separates from what's called the east side from the west side. And anybody on the, east, uh, on the west side doesn't want to travel to the east side for any reason other than shopping. And uh, those of us who are on the east side are like, what's the big deal? It's not that far to travel, but all these people that are it is like the super city people, it's like, I can't drive 10 minutes. It's like a big deal.
1: no people don't want to go the other way either let's be real no one
0: likes (laughs) so so you have now at this point fast forward five six years of being in practice um one of the things i remember when we first got to know each other is that you like seeing the world you're an adventurous type of person you like the outdoors uh have you felt that optometry has been a good profession for you for doing those sort of things? Or do you feel it's really tough to get away?
1: I mean, sometimes when it's like, you know, a beautifully sunny day and you're sitting there with your dark, your windows closed and, you know, you're there all day long and barely can get time to for a lunch break. I wonder, <laughs> why did I do this? But other times I think it is really conducive to it because you can... Let me know if you if you figure out your schedule right, if, especially when you work in, in a group. It is really nice for that, is that if you do want to take a vacation and you schedule things out properly, you can take a vacation and you have the ability to do that. And a lot of people couldn't make that option. So I do think that it's helpful and it provides the means to be able to travel like I'd like to be able to.
0: Mm-hmm. What other things do you consider outlets for yourself when you think about living life what are the things that you do outside of friends and family uh, that are your life what 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 are your hobbies and so forth
1: oh man well right now my hobbies are all gone because I'm renovating our first home (laughs) another great resource of being able to be a doctor but um I think the big hobbies are like you know Being able to like see the good in any place you are, right? You might not be living in your favorite city at the moment, but you can always explore a new part of town or, you know, leave early on a nice day and go sit at a park or, you know, go visit a new, go visit, you know, go a different direction than you normally drive and just go see what's out there, go visit a street. And my favorite thing, one of my favorite, you know, after work hobbies is we, my husband and I do this progressive dinner thing that we love to just go pick a street that we haven't been to and go to each restaurant on the street and only order one food item and we just have to slowly trudge through the street maybe go to restaurants you wouldn't have gone to and it's just super fun to be able to discover new parts of town and things maybe you would have never gone to for a full meal and now it's your new favorite spot
0: Uh uh-huh
1: walks walking around town um I love thrifting (laughs) I love finding a good deal. I feel like that helps you like learn a city too. So I don't know. I think it's just appreciating where you are, what it has to offer and kind of getting out there a little bit.
0: Yeah. So we um, talk a lot of time with young ODs and optometry students, and they feel like there is the one place that they have to live in order to be happy. And I think uh, you kind of said that you can find a way to be happy anywhere you are. If you, uh, if you look for it, right. I think that's so true. Yeah. Yeah. So you can be happy. So let's talk about this work-life balance. You and I were talking offline about, uh, you know, the satisfaction that we gain after we've been doing this for a couple of years. I think you and I both kind of put our nose to the grindstone the first couple of years when we were in practice, uh, maybe you've done a better job of letting go than I have. But uh, this like super constant drive. And now you've said you're kind of like awakening to this realization that maybe there's more than just work. So tell us a little bit about that journey and how you've gotten over the last couple of years to where you are.
1: You know, it's a weird thing throughout any of us that are in this role now that, you know, wanted to be doctors. We always had a different, you know, milestone that we were hitting, Right. You now I'm mm-hmm. going to go to school and I need to take my tests and I need to take my board. And there's always something you're preparing for next. Mm-hmm. And then you get into practice and now you're like, well, now what? So now you're like, okay, well, I'm going to be the best contact lens fitter in my area, or I'm going to be the best at dry eye. And I'm going to, you know, see the most patients. and I'm make the most money. I'm going to pay off my student loans, all these things. And you start realizing like, it doesn't have to be like that anymore.
0: Well, for instance, like I said, that I'm going to be the best contact lens fitter in Seattle, best dry eye doctor in Seattle. And then you moved to the area and yeah. then that all went out the window.
1: <laughs> no. He's <all> very
0: excited.
1: <laughs> no, I think, I think for me, you know, I work for 410. So I have a beautiful little schedule. I have Fridays off. So I always have a three day weekend. And yet still I've, I just recently got back from a little trip and I realized that like, even though I have a day off a week, I still feel like I am constantly burnt out. And I I, I have a patient that's an amazing outcome and they're so happy and they're crying to me. And I'm thinking like, I still have got five more patients left today and I have so much charting to do. Like I'm not even feeling sympathetic sometimes. And it's shameful because I know I should be really proud of that. And I know I should be really happy. I'm not being mean, but like, I'm I'm analyzing my feelings and I'm like, have a lot of anxiety or I have a lot of just, I don't want to call that patient back. I know it's going to be a longer conversation or whatever. I've been avoiding things and I realize it's because I am maxing myself out and me maxing myself out makes me, you know, forgetful at like silly things or makes me late all the time to (laughs) dinners with my husband and he's getting annoyed. Like I'm just not. He's
0: already at the third restaurant.
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I (laughs) need to realize that like, I don't need to be seeing, you know, 20 some patients a day, you know, I don't need to say yes to everything. I don't need to do all these extra things. I need to figure out what's a better balance that'll make me a better doctor a more kind and caring doctor that'll make me, you know, happier to work with and me, I don't know, just a happier person that Mm -hmm. I am coming back from vacation, ready to go back to work and not, you know, dreading it.
0: Yeah. And I think the key aspect of that is is two of them is one is gratitude and understanding the, the, the gratitude of what these patients are bringing to us is they're bringing to us the opportunity to acknowledge that we are the doctor that we meant to be when we went into optometry, right? We went into this to be somebody to help patients and now we just help somebody. And we need to be grateful for the fact that we had the skills and the knowledge to do that. And if we don't, we don't acknowledge that and we bypass that, then we're not going to be the person that we were when we decided that we wanted to go into this. And I think it's just kind of stepping back, acknowledging that we can't say yes to everything, figuring out the things that are the priority. You know, I, I have a workshop and I do woodworking at my house and I'm always adding new tools to my garage. And I'm realizing that rarely do I get rid of old ones. And so I get this new stuff because I didn't like what I had before, but I don't get rid of the old one. And then it's just like it builds up. And that's kind of how it is, is oftentimes we get new things, we get new technology, we get new ideas of our practice and how we're going to do things. And we don't shed anything along the way. And it's so critical to do that uh, So that we can make more room for growth, right? I just think that's it's so key. So that's, I think that's really, really important. I, I think you keyed in on something there.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think I think there is a balance between, you know. A lot of times, too, I'm in a private practice, and with my with my model, honestly, I can work as hard as I want, and it's not like I'm a, I don't have a salary. I have a, a commission based model, which a lot of us in private practice that is what we get. And that's great, especially while you're trying to pay off loans or buy a home or you know, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever goals you have, especially financial goals, you want to be able to get them. And it's nice when, you know, it pays off to work hard. But also, is that what it's all about? Right. It's not necessarily what it's all about. Because that doesn't necessarily like me being able to pay off my loans and buy a house hasn't necessarily made me happy or it's made me stressed. (laughs) So (laughs) I need to find that balance of how many things do I need to see to keep myself happy, to keep myself feeling like I have control of everything going on around me. And, and I think that's an important balance to find because otherwise you're just thinking, am I going to do this forever? Is this, is this it? Like, is, is this just how I'm going to feel the rest of my life? Instead mm-hmm. of like, I love my job. This is a great, this is, what I'm doing is great and I get to do this or, and I yeah. get to
0: do. This. Yeah. Some point you realize that it's enough. Yeah. And we yeah. don't live in a world that teaches us enough is enough. We to live in a world that says more is always better, right? So key.
1: I think yeah. I say this to a lot of people and I really mean it. I think especially like my generation was taught this this tip, you once you have a job that you love, you'll never work a day in your life. And it, it's like I everyone knows that quote, right? And I don't get me wrong, it's a great quote. You should should work for a job that you love. But like that's not totally true. Like you still go to work. You still are faced with do I go to work or do I, you know, lay in bed and watch Netflix today or do I go on work or do I go on a trip with my friends when they're asking me to go on a trip? Like it's still work. And so anyone who wants to say that I don't believe them if they say I don't work a day in my life. I just don't because still work is work. There's still risk involved in work. There's still things. There's still patients that are ornery sometimes. I love most of my patients, but there are things that are still hard about work that aren't fun, and Mm -hmm. that's just work. You should still find pleasure in your job, but I don't know. There's just a, I think there's just this realism that you need to have, and like, what do you want your life to really be all about?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think those are incredibly good insights. Mm -hmm. Thank you for sharing them with us, and thank you for being part of the OI show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yes, absolutely. Uh, Today, we had Dr. Roya Habibi on the Optometric Insights show. Make sure to check out our links below to uh, her social information and also her podcast. And uh, we look forward to you joining us next time. Uh, Before you go, make sure to like and subscribe and leave comments so we know what you think about us. Have a good one, and we'll see you next time.